high above historic Belfont, and still in the smack dab center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seen Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. Welcome to episode 21, Buon Appetito, your local Italian deli. When you hear people talk about a deli, you might immediately think of the classic New York City delicatessen from Delicatessen, the German for fine eating or elegant food. You might even think of Katz's Deli, where Meg Ryan famously faked it in When Harry Met Sally, a place even more famed for their enormous pastrami sandwiches. It's understandable, given the iconic status of Katz's and of New York's Jewish delis in general. New York is one of the cultural hearts of America, and much of our popular literature and film come from there. We feel like we know New York, even if we've never been there. But central Pennsylvania has a different deli culture, and it's more like the deli culture I was familiar with in the Philadelphia area. Here, as in Philly, the food culture is much more centered on Italian and Italian-inspired cuisine, and the delicatessen is more cibo elegante, and the deli is the salumeria. And the awkwardness I feel in pronouncing that word is, I suspect, a lot of why here in America we simply call them Italian delis. A lot of them even say that on their own sign. We're going to take a look at central Pennsylvania's Italian delis and the delicious things you can find there. I also have an interview I've been waiting to get to since before we even started the podcast with Bob Ricketts, the co-founder of Fasta Ravioli in Pleasant Gap, where they make over 50 different kinds of ravioli. I'll tell you all about it, but first, here's what I'm drinking today. I'm drinking Norden Aquavit which isn't Italian at all, and isn't from Pennsylvania either. It's from Michigan. I've developed a strong liking for Aquavit, the caraway-flavored spirit from Scandinavia that's often also flavored with fennel or dill. It's a bit of a niche. As one producer told me, you don't often get a guy walking into a bar and asking, hey, you got anything that tastes like caraway? Maybe dill? I could really go for that. It's more like a kind of left-handed gin. The same idea, but radically different botanicals. And there's nothing like it for drinking with stuff like pickled herring, rye bread, firm cheese, and onions. I've become an Aquavit evangelist, and I'm surprised it took this long for me to work it into the show. I like it because it's different. It's clean, it's flavorful, and people don't have a lot of preconceived notions about it because they've usually never heard of it. That's great territory for craft distillers, by the way. Why Norden Aquavit? I did an Aquavit piece for the Daily Beast back in 2017, I quoted Norden's founder, Robin Cleveland, who'd sent me a sample before they even started full production. It was good, and we've stayed loosely in touch since then, especially since I tend to bring up Aquavit every chance I get. I half-jokingly proposed an Aquavit and Tinned Fish Festival on Facebook recently, and people got very excited. And then Robin messaged me that he'd seen the fest idea, he was all in, and would I like to try Norden's new dill Aquavit? Why would I ever? So today... I'm drinking the Norden Original Taffel Style and their new Garden Dill Aquavit. Here it goes. Now, the Taffel Style, Taffel just means table. So this is kind of like their table wine, their table Aquavit. It's just their uh, their ordinary everyday. It's uh, 45%. Mm, and it has a, um, a solid caraway aroma to it. it smells, well, you know, it smells like uh, kind of like rye bread with uh, with the caraway seeds. Mm. It almost makes the mouth water. It's so, it's so determinedly savory. It's like food. Mm. Yeah, 
um, got a nice body to it, a certain amount of of chew even really, and the the caraway it's like it's like crushing one between your teeth. It it comes through clearly, and it's surprisingly pleasant. Now, dill is a uh, an herb that we've been using a lot more of um, in the past few years because we started eating more Eastern European stuff. We found a really good Eastern European market near us where we lived down in the Philly suburbs. And we've uh, continued to find some stuff at the Eastern European market here in State College. This garden dill uh, aquavit is only at 38%. Not sure why. And I actually put a little bit of water in it, just a, a couple drops, because I found that it, it really popped the dill. Yeah, it's coming out quite nicely. Mm. Wow, yeah. Uh, really getting both of them there, the caraway and the dill. This is um, this is good stuff. Uh, find some aquavit. The traditional one that's made in Denmark is Alborg, A-A-L-B-O-R-G. Uh, that's good stuff. But there's also uh, some aquavits made here in America, obviously, Norden. Um, there's also uh, one by Krogstad. Um, Krogstad. Christian Krogstad makes it. There are several of them, uh, several different flavors, including one with some fennel in it, I think. Um, but those are out there, and they're great. And they're just the thing for an afternoon of snacks and day drinking. <laughs> I mean, it is great stuff, but now I really want something to eat. So let's do that, uh, let's do that interview. Fasta ravioli, or as most folks call it, Fasta pasta, started about 15 years ago in Pleasant Gap. You see their fresh frozen ravioli at State College area farm markets and at the West Shore Farmers Market in Lemoyne and in grocery stores and Italian delis around State College. Most ravioli are stuffed with cheese, maybe a savory meat puree and occasionally lobster or crab, but Fasta goes wild. They have raviolis stuffed with goat cheese and beets, short ribs, sweet potato, pumpkin ginger and cranberry for the winter holidays, peas and truffle, and my favorite, the New Orleans voodoo ravioli, stuffed with grits, andouille sausage, shrimp, and smoked gouda. We drive by the small plant in Pleasant Gap several times a week. I wanted to talk to them as a local food maker and as a brilliant innovator, and I got that interview. All it took was walking in last week and handing my card to the guy behind the counter, who happened to be Jeremiah McClenahan, Fosta's executive chef. He and co-founder Bob Ricketts immediately recognized that it would be easy and quick to do an interview for Seen Through a Glass, realized that it would put them up on the web for a long time and cost nothing, and sent me a quick email. And yes, that's a not-so-subtle hint to other Central PA food producers. I'm waiting to hear from you. I sat down with Bob for an interview four days later. Enjoy. Hey, uh, I'm here with Bob Ricketts at Fosta Ravioli. Actually, that was one of the questions I want to ask. What what is the actual name of the company and is it it's F A S T A is that Fasta or Pasta or Fasta? Or? Fasta Ravioli is the technical name, but we have become known as Fasta Pasta, which we it's love and embrace. It's just a natural, right? Yeah, it's a natural flow off the tongue. <laughs> okay, and and where did that come from? Uh, it started out as a college project and really uh, research and sensory analysis. Uh, not sensory analysis, but uh, research uh, at points in time. Uh, Basil Company was in the running, and then Pasta and Ravioli Company, but Fasta kind of had that invoked emotion and reminded you of pasta, but since it's not pasta, it opens us up to just doing some fun things uh, that 
are pasta related, but not kind of in that Italian niche. Okay. All right. So we ran with it, and that was close over 15 years ago. <laughs> wow. Okay. You're originally a Center County guy, is that right? Grew up in the Hauserville area. So, yeah, born okay. and raised, never right. left. Oh, never left. That's what I was going to ask. Was this a boomerang thing? or Nope, never left. Stayed Started. here. All right, cool. I mean, did you always intend to stay here? No, not, not really. <laughs> okay. It's just kind of, you know, I started this after college, and that was a decade and a half ago almost. Oh, there you go. So. All right. How, how far away do you sell the pastas? So we have a shop down in Harrisburg. Okay. Uh, every Thursday, we go down to wholesale deliveries to any number of restaurants, Millworks, Cork and Fork, any number of restaurants between here and Harrisburg. And then we have a retail shop at West Shore Farmers Market. Okay. Uh, so the, the Harrisburg is the furthest uh, we, we, we deliver. People have taken the pasta as far as Texas, I believe. I know some people that have taken it to Texas. I think a couple people may have taken dried pasta overseas. Um, <laughs> okay. But you have the retail store there. You have the retail store here. I mean, is that a is it a large percentage of the business, or is it mostly wholesale? Uh, I would say a, you know a third, a third, a third. Okay. Um, because we also do farmers markets. We're in the North Atherton Farmers Market on Saturdays, the Bullsburg Farmers Market yeah, on Tuesday, uh, and we just started the Downtown Friday Farmers Market on Locust Lane. Um, so the farmers between the farmers markets, you have a third probably wholesale, and then retail third, a third, a third. You know, plus or minus. Yeah. And any year that can go, sure. you know, the pandemic really yeah, put, sure a dent, put a dent in wholesale. <laughs> and, it, and it's all frozen? Uh, the pasta is fresh. We have started to freeze it because, you know, you pull it out of the freezer, set it in the fridge. It's good for seven days. Okay. And from a distribution standpoint, it's just uh, a lot easier to sell uh, frozen. So that's actually one of the projects we're really working on uh, is getting the – getting – Fresh frozen pasta out there. Um, we've done a little bit with it at our Myers Dairy uh, uh, freezer. Okay. Um, we have uh, we're gonna working on updating the packaging to reflect the brand a little bit more, and then really gonna push that at you know Myers Dairy, Burkholders, and some of the other locations oh, nice. that we that retail our products. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the focus of the company is is clearly ravioli, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get to that. But you do make. As you said, you make the pastas and you make sauces, too. Yeah, yeah. We, Can we run that down? Yeah, so we have, uh, you know, as part of the pandemic, kind of, we always used to make lasagnas and then kind of as adapting to the pandemic and, you know, adjusting to the new realities of world of the world, uh, we, we always made lasagnas, but just made them around the holiday season. Uh, so we started making those all year round. Hopefully, we'll have a seafood one coming out oh, nice. in fall winter 2023 yeah so we have a variety of sauces and raviolis and it's really about you know finding what local ingredients we can get and make a wonderful product out oh, of it. oh okay um, you do have a focus on local ingredients then. yeah i mean with all the where where, where it makes sense uh-huh. um you know local from a small business standpoint these days is a couple states surrounding it's not 10 sure. feet away yeah um we're very fortunate with our being in all the local farmers markets we've developed and cultivated oh, okay. some great relationships with local farmers uh, to grow us, whether it's blue potatoes or corn or take your pick. We had a gentleman that brought us 50 pounds of chanterelles from one of the markets for the chanterelle ravioli uh, the past couple weeks. Nice. I actually just picked up some of that last week at oh, the nice. farmer's market and I'm really looking forward to having it tonight. It's great on top of a steak if you take two or three oh. raviolis and have them as a steak topper to kind of stretch them a little bit. Okay. And then the cheeses and mushrooms coat the steak. You get a little bit of pasta dough in there, and Ooh. it is. Okay. 
So, uh, ravioli. Um, why ravioli? Why, I mean, and, and the other thing is, what makes it ravioli? What's like the definition of ravioli? Uh, definition of ravioli, technically speaking, is just a stuffed pasta. Okay. Um, you know, and that can be in any number of forms. Uh, you know, a dumpling would fall under that category of stuffed pasta. A samosa would fall under that category oh, of stuffed okay. pasta. So, you know, and that's, again, going back to the pasta and not pasta. Right. Um, you know, you say pasta, people kind of, you know, yeah. ricotta it, cheese, meat and cheese, yeah. which is what anything. We do those, but we also do a whole lot more, whether that's um, the blue potato pierogi that we call a jogi or... Um, you know, today I'll be packaging some lobster and sweet corn ravioli. Yeah, that was actually one of the... Let's just jump to that, because that was going to be my next question. You have such a... I mean, what do you have, like 60 different recipes or Yeah, something? 60 different kinds of ravioli, 60 different kinds of pasta, 50 different kinds of ravioli. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say we're constantly adding them, but, you know, if we see a unique ingredient that we think we can do something oh, fun okay. with, uh, we're small enough and nimble enough that we can run with it yeah. and, and do, fun, do fun stuff. It, it just seems really... I mean, because you said, you know, the whole limiting thing about pasta, I mean, I, people tend to think of ravioli as, like you said, cheese stuffed or, like, meat puree. It's so much more. So I know, much more. and you guys, I just think that's such a gutsy move to say, actually, there's a whole damn world of ravioli. The standard joke is that I'm too dumb to know anything. <laughs> I've heard that from so many successful businesses, dumb or stubborn. Yeah. You will, and uh, honestly, um, you touched on it a, a little bit ago at the beginning, but whenever I originally conceptualized the shop, we weren't going to make raviolis. Really? Um, it was supposed to be more of a pasta-focused business and salad, and I you know, have the name Fasta and Salad Company on some t-shirts floating around somewhere because <laughs> I had all these signs and business cards printed up, and then a friend and mentor in New Jersey that's a pasta maker, um, before I was opening, getting you know everything in a, a row... Um, he has the same pasta machine as me. I went and watched him sell, I don't know, a couple hundred dozen raviolis at a farmer's market outside of New Jersey. And I said, huh, you sold a lot more raviolis than you did pasta. And on the drive back, the name change began. <laughs> that's a that's a powerful persuader. Right it is. There. And on a day one of the shop opening, uh, you know, whenever, whatever that was, 14 and a half years ago, uh-huh. we only had two kinds of raviolis. And then the first two or three years, we kind of did a crash course and developed all of the uh, raviolis. Wow. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I, the, the New smoked, Orleans voodoo is mine. Smoked mozzarella is my favorite. Okay. I do it with... Yeah, uh, I, well, it's, I really like the smoked gouda in the voodoo. Yeah. I, I do the smoked mozzarella with uh, spicy sausage and sautéed peppers and onions and a red sauce. And nice. it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually the thing. You know, sometimes I'm looking at them and thinking, yeah, not red sauce, brown butter for this one, yeah. or, or well, vodka in sauce. In case you don't know, we always have uh, sauce pairings on the front and wine pairings on the back. Okay. Uh, and we're working on getting beer pairings done, but we only, you know, get one ravioli tested and then we <laughs> drink all the beer. <laughs> Sounds awfully familiar. And, and I, I know everyone who's listening is, is probably thinking this, and, I, and I'm sure you've been asked for it before but still what's the way to cook it so it doesn't come apart what's the best way to cook the ravioli four minutes as soon as they float uh you don't want to so you're putting them still frozen in the water frozen yeah if you you defrost them 
they're going to stick together and it's oh. just going to be even bigger mess. Oh, that's why. Okay. Um, and if it does get a little bit defrosted and you have clumps of them, I recommend just sticking those clumps in the water and gently stirring it okay. and letting them separate it. Um, but otherwise slide it all in for sl- four minutes. Yep. Yep. Slide whatever you're looking in. You can zip lock the bag up if you don't need oh, them all. Yeah. Four to five minutes. And you want it at a, a, a rolling boil, not a vigorous boil, but okay. a, a light boil. Um, and then four to five minutes when they float, they're done. The three cheese are especially on that uh, four-minute side. Something with a denser filling is going to be closer oh, to okay. five. But, yeah, and then I like to use a slotted spoon so you're not grabbing right. them with tongs or you're not dumping them um, dumping them onto a colander and having them all crash together with, yeah. a, you know, two gallons of water yeah. hitting everything. Yeah, we use it. I mean, I got a spider, and I use it for everything yep. now. Yeah, and that's exactly – it's great. Yeah. yeah, even better than a slotted spoon. Yeah. Is there any, other than the Harrisburg place, is there any place outside of State College people can find? Um, we're at some retail shops down in Harrisburg. Um, okay. We're hoping in the next couple years to open up a spot at uh, Hershey Farmer's Market, which is Ooh, a farmer's market that location that yeah. just opened up. Um, we were supposed to open up there last year, but we almost got ripped off the, by the Chinese. That's a different story for a different time. Okay. Um, so that didn't work. And we're working on adapting the model to reflect the current places. Um, in a nutshell, frozen vending machines to wow. get to get rid of the labor component, uh-huh. um, which, you know, it's we're very close to our customers in the sense that it's what did you have last time? What ingredients are you working with? Not what can I get for you? So yeah. it's a hard decision. But with just the current world, uh, you know, a frozen vending machine where you kind of tap your card, open a door, take off what you want from the shelf, and there's scales on it. Um, so we're working on getting the equipment as we had some issues with ordering stuff from China last year. Okay. Um, but they gave us our money back, so. Okay. All right. You know, so not but, ripped off. Yeah. But, but I'm told I should have been. <laughs> All right. Well, Bob, thank you very much. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Thanks for having me. That was a great talk. That's really good ravioli, and it's just a tiny fraction of the kind of delicious stuff you'll find at your nearby central Pennsylvania Italian deli. Where are they? Well, I've already told you about Joe's in Altoona, Bonfado's in Belfont, and Leo's in Lockhaven. I asked friends and listeners about where the other good delis are in central PA, and you responded. Here's what you came up with. Conzati's Italian Market in Johnstown is a lot more than a deli. It's a whole Italian grocery store. They have fresh pasta, sausages, and salads made in-house. Bakery fresh breads and pastries and cookies. They carry the Dalala line of foods, sauces, spices, tomatoes, and much more. There's a full deli counter with all the beautiful Italian meats and cheeses. They even sell grape juice for making homemade wine. Don't let the name fool you at Cagliari's Bakery in Dubois. Yes, they make delicious breads and pastries, cookies, tiramisu, cannoli, but they also have a deli with sandwiches and prepared meals and salads. There's a house-made line of sauces, bruschetta, pepper spread, which is phenomenal on hoagies, and what they call their Italian whackers. Asiago cheese wrapped in real capicola, topped with hot pepper relish, packed in a shot cup. I've got to try those. Alto Markets in Altoona. Wow, I'm sorry I missed these guys in the Altoona episode. There's a full array of cold cuts and cheeses, 
plus great bread, top flight olive oils and vinegars, and some great looking house-made meals that make this a one-stop for a great dinner. Several people, who I only know because we both love good food, recommended Vinny's Italian Market in Hanover. I have to say, there is a full deli, an excellent assortment of the jarred fruits and vegetables that I love to browse at these places, the crazy hot and delicious Calabrian pepper sauce, and yes, prepared foods that I'd take home and devour, but wow, Vinny's pastries look phenomenal. Bar cookies, Italian rainbow cookies, cannoli, tarts, babas, lobster tails, cakes, in a wild, beautiful profusion. One friend made a mad love declaration for the Lewisburg Delicatessen, and while it seems to be best known for their paninis and prepared foods, the Italian grocery section is solid and well-stocked. They have the boxed Italian cakes, the panettona, which, hey, I always thought sounded nuts. Cake in a box? It's got to be stale, right? But they're not. They're delicious, and I don't know why, but they're definitely not stale. You go down to Lewisburg and see if I'm not right. After all the ravioli we've already talked about, you'd think I was done, but Pronio's Market in Hershey has chestnut ravioli, which is such an Italian thing, most people are mad about chestnuts. Now, I want some, and I might just buy some of everything while I'm down there. One more, and it got a lot of love. The Alvaro Bread and Pastry Shop in Harrisburg is just that. They don't have the full line of Italian grocery items, but they do have a great range of baked in-house breads, including rye and pumpernickel Tuscan breads, an assortment of Italian cookies, fresh pasta, and now house-made gelato, too. Hey, look, I can get jars of Lapino beans somewhere else. You give me that bread. Why should you go to an Italian deli, though, when even supermarkets have a good selection of authentic Italian foods in their ethnic aisle these days? The answer, of course, is right there in the question. Why go to a place with a good selection when you can shop from a great one? As I said earlier, I love to browse an Italian deli, and that's how I found red pepper pesto, double tomato paste, and grilled artichoke hearts, three things I didn't know I existed until I found them, tried them, and loved them. I found brujol in an Italian deli in Philly 20 years ago. Never heard of these cheesy meat roll dumpling things. I got them, I tried them, and now I make them. You go to delis to get wonderful stuff, but also to learn, to experiment, to experience. One of the things you have to learn about is the DOP label. The Denominazione di Origine Protetta is the Italian label for the EU's Protected Designation of Origin Regulation. These are products certified to be from the areas of origin, made in traditional processes from specific ingredients. They're the real thing. Now, there may be Italian foods of the same type that are not DOP, and there are American-made versions that are obviously not DOP, but they may also be quite delicious, and they're often less expensive. Weigh your options. Ask for a sample. But I'll tell you, the variety can be dizzying. Balsamic vinegars of various types and ages, and olive oils in all their various grades, sizes, and origins. And olives! Open barrels and tubs of olives of various types, colors, and sizes, brined, oiled, in wine, spiced, stuffed, dried. Everyone knows the variety of pasta. We joke about inventing a new pasta shape and retiring on the profits. But the variety in an Italian deli will floor you. Leave aside the shapes. There's fresh, dried, frozen, in colors from spinach, tomatoes, pumpkin, and squid ink. 
And there's all the stuffed pastas like ravioli and tortellini, the dumpling-like gnocchi and nudi, and the somewhat esoteric bronze-cut pasta. The bronze dyes used to extrude these pastas are not as microscopically smooth as the more common steel dyes, and very slightly roughen the surface of the pasta, which make the sauces stick to the pasta more. A deli will sometimes also be a bakery, or vice versa, and even if not, they will often have Italian-style breads brought in from somewhere else. The bread is one of the top reasons I'll go out of my way to go to an Italian deli. There's just nothing like it. And of course, there are the building blocks for making your own pasta and bread and pizza. High-protein, hard durum wheat is at the heart of these flours. The coarsely ground golden yellow semolina is used for pasta and bread, and the dust-fine bone-white double-zero flour, also known as Tipo Zero Zero, is used for making pizza. The fine grind takes less water to make a dough, and Durham's higher gluten content makes that stretchy pull of pizza dough possible. More grain. Rice, the short-grain arborio strain that makes the beloved risotto, and another, cornmeal, to make polenta. These were more foods that I discovered at delis and took home and made regulars in our menu. Gnocchi is made from potato starch, and a variety can be found at most Italian delis, either dried or vacuum-sealed, and often with spinach or sweet potato blended in to make it more flavorful. I love gnocchi, and I like to keep some of those on hand in our pantry. Our pantry also has capers, anchovies, the spices of Italian cooking, and two tubes I use a lot, double tomato paste and anchovy paste, for adding a quick and easy burst of flavor just before serving. Anchovy paste makes a great umami bomb in sauces, particularly in pesto, and you don't really taste fish, just rich flavor. Fish? So Italian delis almost always have the rich tins of sardines and the Mediterranean tuna in olive oil, a delicious treat and an exceptionally good addition to a plate of pasta puttanesca. You might also find unsalted tinned anchovies, a great add to a salad. I haven't tried cooking with bacala, the traditional dried salted cod. Maybe this Christmas. Meats are an Italian obsession. They use everything in the cured meats they're rightly famous for. Salami, mortadella, capicola, soppressata, the spicy and dense sausages that an Italian friend of mine generally just refers to as neck meat. The beauty of prosciutto and the intensity of guanciale, pancetta, and the everyday punch of speck shows that Italians definitely know their way around a pig. My family ribs me for calling prosciutto one of the three great hams of Europe, the other being Iberian and Westphalian, but it is, damn it. Of course, there are also the fresh sausages, the hot and mild, extra fennel, cheese stuffed sausage. Oh, did I mention cheese? Every other use of the word variety, even in these Italian foods, pales in comparison. Italian cheeses may come from cow, sheep, or water buffalo milk. Hard, soft, firm, fresh, smoked, aged, blue, sweet dessert cheeses, hard grating cheeses, and every one of them can be marvelous. My wife and I were on a choir trip in Italy, and we still sigh when we think about the paper cone filled with fresh ricotta we got at a literal gas station lunch counter. It was wonderful with a simple handful of olives and a small loaf of fresh bread. There's so much more. All the desserts, the cookies spiked with lemon, chestnuts, or almonds, cannoli, biscotti, and tiramisu. The sauces, tomato, cheese, and pestos. The hot stuff 
The fearsome rolled up long hot peppers and pepper shooters, cherry peppers stuffed with prosciutto and a lump of hard provolone in oil. I haven't mentioned the exceptional San Marzano tomatoes or all the prepared foods, meatballs, parmesans, lasagnas, sauces, stuffed shells and manicotti, and the sandwiches, panini, hoagies, meatballs, and sausage and peppers. That's why you have to go to your local Italian deli and try the new ones whenever you see them, for the favorites, and to find some new stuff. Now that we've talked about the authentic stuff, I'm going to tell you how I cheat a little on our Italian dinners. We have a bound family cookbook, over 100 pages long, with hundreds of recipes for everything from breakfast favorites to soups and stews, cookies and cakes, dips and sauces, some cocktail recipes, and the rules for the family card game, a heavily modified version of Crazy Eights. Because I edited the book mainly as a going-out-on-your-own guide for our son and daughter, and our nieces and nephews, I added a lot of advice on outfitting a kitchen, buying spices and staples, and on how to cut some corners to get easy meals. So there's a recipe for easy shepherd's pie using Hunt's Manwich sauce, a few recipes that create exactly the leftovers you need for a second delicious dinner, like the pork and onions into pork ragu I told you about in episode 14, and a cheesy cheat on moussaka I stole from Martha Stewart. And I also have cheats for turning plain old canned or jarred pasta sauce into a simmeringly delicious meal. Here's how I do that. First, pick your base sauce. These days I'm mostly using Del Grosso's three cheese or marinara, or I might use Wegman's grandpa's sauce. And get a can of good diced tomatoes. I watch for the Hunts or Delalo fire roasted to go on sale, and then buy half a dozen cans. Are you going to add ground meat, sausage, or meatballs? Get locally made Italian sausage. I usually use a mix of hot and sweet. House-made meatballs at that Italian deli, or get a good recipe and make a big batch and freeze small bags of your own. Or ground beef, and you can also use ground pork. Get out your spices. Oregano, basil, garlic powder, red pepper flakes, and if you have it, Cajun seasoning, like Tony Chacheret's. Dice a medium yellow onion, peel and smash three or four cloves of garlic, and get your olive oil. We're ready. If you're doing ground beef or sausage, cook that now in a four-quart saucepan. If you're not doing meat, just pour some olive oil in. When that gets hot, throw in the onion and garlic, and sprinkle liberally with the spices, maybe a bit less liberal with the basil and the Cajun. Why garlic and garlic powder? Garlic powder has an intensity and a slightly different flavor that I really like. If you don't, you can skip it, but try it once. When the sausage is firmed up, I'll take it out and let it cool before cutting it into inch-long chunks. Otherwise, if you've used meat, now's the time to skim as much fat as you can. Use a spoon, and then wad up some paper towels and dip to get more if you want. Now I turn the heat up, and when it's just about smoking, I'll pour in the diced tomatoes, juice and all. Leave the heat up, let that sizzle and pop for about a minute, and then add the jarred sauce. And if you want, you can add a dab of that double tomato paste at this point. Turn the heat back to medium, and when everything is bubbling gently, turn it down to low and dust it with grated Romano. Stir everything together, add the cut-up sausage back in, or meatballs if you're using them. Add a tablespoon of balsamic vinegar, or about a quarter cup of dry red wine, and stir that in. Cover it, and let it simmer for at least half an hour. When you're ready for dinner, make your pasta, and reserve about a quarter cup of the water when it's done. Stir that into the sauce. Now, how much sauce you put on the pasta 
that's up to you. Serve it with a nice Chianti or Montepulciano, a good loaf of bread and a wedge of Parmigiano-Reggiano from your local Italian deli, and maybe a salad of tomatoes and onions with a freshly made vinaigrette. I make no excuses. I feel no shame. I'm going to join you for a glass of wine and a good meal. Buon appetito. That's the show. Thanks to Bob Ricketts for a great interview and to my good friends on Facebook for all the great notes about their favorite Italian delis. And yes, Italian sandwich shops that aren't delis. I'll be checking them out for a future episode. I do have a coffee button set up in my Instagram link tree, Twitter profile, both are at Lou Bryson, and at the Scene Through a Glass Facebook page and blog. If you like the show, it's an easy way you can drop me a few bucks through the internet to help keep this going. Cover tips for bartenders, some gas for the Subaru, and a couple of beers. My thanks to those of you who have already tipped some in. It's very much appreciated. You can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, and what Central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. Cheese is the most stolen food in the world. That's an actual fact. The next episode will probably be about Philadelphia. We're going down to spend a week with our son Thomas. Hope the weather holds up. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Lou Bryson on Scene Through a Glass from the Smack Dab Center of the Keystone State. <laughs>